The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won. Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing high five casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! I won again. I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High five casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High five casino. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Compatibility. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. Okay, it's home stretch, Super Bowl 56, SoFi, Los Angeles, as we get closer and closer. I'm Patrick Maher live from the VSIN studios here at the South Point in Las Vegas. Michael Lombardi there in Jersey, where he is still coming down from the excitement of that. Um, what do they call it? The what Pro Bowl? The Pro Bowl. Oh, that, that was, that, was that exciting? That I was, didn't watch a play. I, I didn't see. I didn't. See, I didn't yeah, watch one I play. I, I saw the kid. highlight of a play, but I didn't watch one play. Yeah, it was. Why uh, would I watch a play? <laughs> it's like <laughs> football. That was. That's not football, to, to say the that's least. That's not football. How are we feeling no. on a Monday? We're great. I mean, we're great. We get to ready to get get ready to get this thing moving. You know, see what we can accomplish here. See what how we handicap this. You know. Um, Get ready for the season. I think these NFL jobs are all what we have one left, just the Saints. I think at this point, did Lovey Smith officially get it, or is that where they're leaning? I wasn't sure how to read all the conversations, but it sounds that way, right? Yeah, and we can start with the coaches. You wrote, and I don't know if part of me, I don't know if it was you or one somebody on your team for the daily coach today. The hiring yeah. practice, as far as those being short sighted. Um, yeah. the football coaching, hiring, and the data that goes into it. Can we kind of expound upon this? I really enjoyed the article, and maybe Thank we can get, then get to McDaniel there with Miami. Well, I think, you know, what, what, what we tried to write, what I wrote it today, and, and certainly because of Pat Graham's conversation that we were able to get off of Twitter, you know, what Pat Graham was saying is oftentimes we just look at the scoreboard, you know. Like, like, uh, like let's take example Georgia basketball, right? Tom Crean's having a tough year, and probably everybody in Georgia wants him fired. But yet if you watch the situation in Georgia, he's got four of his best players are missing for the season. He's really coaching, might be his best coaching job ever, including the year he took Marquette to the, to the Final Four. Right. But everybody gets caught up with the scoreboard. And so what the article tried to do is say, hey, look, instead of just looking at the scoreboard and being somebody on Twitter, why don't you do a data analysis? Why don't you become a data scientist and try to figure out exactly what's going on based on the conditions that being presented to yourself and look past the one loss records, look past the linkage of of whether they won the game. Now, you know, Graham's very honest and said, look, we've won 10 games in the last two years. It's not good enough. But there's a lot of good things he did there with that team. And, you know, we always say this, you know, Dayball can't bring Josh Allen with him to New York. Is he going to be as successful? We'll see. But sometimes the coaches on staffs that maybe don't have a lot of talent that do remarkable jobs, you know, get overlooked. Uh, you know, like the, the Miami Dolphins, for example, they, fi- they fired Flores, but 
I thought, and I was talking to a coach in the league that played Miami this year, I, I thought their offensive staff did everything in their power to make Tua look really good. But yet, that wasn't good enough. And I think this is what the article really wants to talk about. Yeah, it is, it's really well done. The Daily Coach, you can find it on Twitter at The Daily Coach. The Dolphins, it appears, have agreed uh, to a four-year deal with Mike McDaniel to name Obviously, the next head coach, uh, there is something as far as particulars when it comes to a minority hire. He is multiracial, I, I believe, is the way to put it. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, I'm confused with some of the verbiage when it comes to all of this. But he is uh, 38, years old, 38 years old, gets his first head coaching experience anywhere. He's been in the league for about 15 seasons in the NFL as an assistant in some capacity. And always with Kyle Shanahan. It's been a friend of Kyle Shanahan's going back to their days in Washington and has followed him around. And, and, and he's admitted that he is a recovering alcoholic, that he did have some difficulties at a time, you know, during his coaching career that he's overcome. A brilliant guy, went to Yale, really smart. He's in charge of the, the 49er run game, which, uh, which allows them to be so success. And obviously Kyle does a good job and he knows Kyle's system. So, you know, I think it's going to be interesting. I mean, he's not a domineering personality. He's not a guy that's going to walk in a room and he's going to say, wow, you know, this is our leader. Let's jump on board. He's going to have to, he's going to, have to motivate through his intellectual capacity. And how he handles the team and standing in front of the team, addressing the team, motivating the team, I think are all going to be fascinating questions to see. It's an interesting hire by Miami, to say the least. It's it's. It Fascinating the course correction with franchises. It doesn't matter to the sport. Will they, they'll go from one head coach, type of personality, and then they'll go exactly opposite often. Yep. You know, all the time. It happens all the time. It happens all the time. And, and as good as you might think Mike McDaniel could be, will he be, is he as ready to be a head coach as Brian Flores is in year three? That's going to be really hard to duplicate. You know, Brian Flores was just getting his head coaching career started, he was becoming a better head coach with every single year, you know, and now that, you know, he had the rug pulled out from underneath of him, Mike McDaniel is going to be behind him. It's the, what we called the art Modell theory of hiring. You know, when you do 50 things really well, and this is what Modell would always base his firing decisions on, you know, he had a coach who did 50 things really well and he did three things poorly. So he fires the coach who does three things poorly and he, the next guy that comes in does those three things really well, but he only does 10 other things well. Modell's minus 40 now, you know, and so where are you? You've made your team worse. This is the, this is the, the evolution of what happens in most of these head coaching hires. They fire the guy because he wasn't soft and gentle. They bring someone in who's soft and gentle, but he's probably not going to be as good a coach as perhaps Flores is. So give him time. We'll learn and see where he goes. But, you know, he's the run game coordinator with Kyle, and every coach that I know that's been with Kyle, everybody tells me Kyle does everything. Yeah, they go from a no-nonsense, non straightforward, pragmatic guy in Flores to an irreverent guy, I guess is the way to put it, irreverence maybe, uh, kind of an outside-the-box thinker in McDaniel. One thing that confuses me, he was in charge of the run game with a Shanahan. That innately comes with success. It's a Shanahan. It's the run game. They're, they, already do, right. they already scheme it up pretty well. 
Well, I mean, the guy that, you know, you can say that, right? And But Chris Forrester, the line coach, is re- really the guy responsible for the run game. I mean, I know he had the title, and I'm not trying to dismiss Mike McDaniel because the Mike McDaniel I know when he first came into Cleveland when I was leaving, you know, he wasn't where he is today in terms of his personal life and in terms of his coaching ability. So I, I'll put that off to the side. But I think the, the reality of it is here is that the run game is really about what the line coach can configure and I've often said this it's it takes a lot more coaching to con, to get a run game going than it does to draw pass plays because you've got to figure out how to block with one less man how to block eight in the box with only seven players and how do you eliminate or block a half a man and gain a half of an advantage and that's something I think Kyle does really well all those toss plays we see the 49ers run are really the outside zone with a toss and Bobby Turner, the former the, the running back coach, he's been with Kyle Shanahan for a hundred years, and he's been with his been with his dad Mike going back to Denver. He knows this as well as anybody. Just as Forrester knows it, who was with him in Washington. So McDaniel, who does I want to clarify my statement from earlier. He identifies as multiracial. His father is black. His mother is white. So the 49ers will receive two third round draft selections, one in 22, one in 23, as compensation under the Rooney Rule. That. Something you just said triggered a thought. So was he in Cleveland? He was in Cleveland. Was he there with you, McDaniel, for a year? He was. He came in with with Kyle as soon as gotcha. Kyle got in. I well, I didn't interview him, and then after Kyle's interview, I think a week later, I got fired. You know, gotcha. and uh, and as I've said many times, I thought Kyle was outstanding when we interviewed him. But then McDaniel came in. He wasn't going to take the job unless he got McDaniel to come with him. They were t- they're tight. They go back a long way. And, and McDaniel has admitted that, you know, there was a time in his coaching career that, you know, he had issues. And then he went with Kyle to Atlanta. And then it was in Atlanta that I think he got his act cleaned up off the field. And that's really made a difference in his coaching. Yeah, because when I was reading through it last night, Michael, I think it was Petten in Cleveland at the time who not necessarily confronted him, but said, hey, look, there's obviously something going on here. Uh, was drinking at work. Then he went to Atlanta where... Yeah. Dimitrov and others helped him get help, and he's been sober ever since 2016, so good for him there. Good for him, really good for him, and he's obviously very, you know, he's a, he's trained violinist. I mean, think about that. How many head coaches are trained violinists? I mean, he can play the violin. You know, I can't even play do re mi on the piano, so good for him. <laughs> I just think, to me, the challenge is when you see him, and it'll be fascinating to watch his press conference today, is how does he command in front of the squad? How's he going to how's he going to handle that? Now, obviously he's really smart and he's funny and he's kind of quirky and engaging. How does that play? We'll see. It, it it does show how uniform everything is in the NFL because the clips that I've seen put together of McDaniel at the podium, they don't really I, I don't really find any of it all that intriguing. Uh, he seems like a super smart guy, like you said, but it's like he's a little irreverent, but he's irreverent compared to what we normally get from an NFL head coach. I guess you got to put it in perspective, yeah. right? <laughs> Right. So, you know, the, one of the keys in leadership is management of meaning. You've got to be able to explain in simplistic terms your ability, what you want to communicate. And oftentimes coaches use different metaphors, different analogies, different, different ways of getting your message across. You know, whether it's Sean Payton putting cheese in somebody's locker to say, don't take the cheese, you know, or, you know, or, or doing something to create, you know, a conversation about what is most important. And, and obviously give Mike McDaniel a chance to see what he can do and see how he handles this. And it's going to be a dramatic change 
from Flores, who was, when he walked in the room, you knew he was an alpha male. You knew he was leading. Patrick Graham has to be holding up his hand like, wait, I went to Yale too. I've run defenses and I'm not getting a job. Like what the hell's going on here, right? Yeah, well, he's going to be with you in Vegas. I know. There, I'm so that'll be awesome. He's going to be crashing with me and Jeezy while he finds a crib here. Yeah, I mean, that'll be awesome for him, right? He's there. And, I mean, look, he's got a tough task ahead of him. He gets Mahomes. I mean, give Patrick Graham some credit. Now, he's not shy. He's going twice against Mahomes, twice against Herbert. He's, like, he's not backing down. He knows this. If I produce twice against these two guys, somebody's going to come get me. By the way, somebody's leaving Vegas. That's Basaccia. He's going to go take over the special teams for the Packers, which were inept last year. Well, I mean, we'll see. It's going to be, you know, this is the second coordinator that the coach, the greatest coach in the history of the NFL, has fired in two years. It, it, it certainly is. And the number one coach. Hopefully he can shore up those special teams there in Green Bay. Okay, that's one head coaching position down. Coming up next with Michael Lombardi, the Houston Texans. What really is happening? We'll set you up on the Super Bowl number as well. Got plenty to do college basketball, NBA as well. Come on back. Lombardi line to start off the week here on a Monday. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Listening to the Lombardi Line on VSEN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, big games right around the corner. Super Bowl, of course, it's time to download BetMGM Sports. It's Nevada's premier sports betting app. BetMGM has all your favorite wagering options and game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today. Stop by any MGM casino on the strip. Bring that state-issued ID. You're ready to go within minutes. Must be 21 years or older, physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly, and if you do have an issue, it's 1-800-522-4700. As we get you back here, Lombardi Line on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Patrick Marr. He's Michael Lombardi. So we are four, four and a half still. Uh, we're 48 and a half mostly across the board for Super Bowl 56. Again, John Ewing sent over the splits from BetMGM. We're starting, it was 50-50 yesterday, and we're starting to see a tick up of Bengal money coming in here, Michael. So there yeah, is, yeah. I, the Bengal money, Burrow Bengal money is going to be legit come kickoff. I think there's no doubt about it. I think the Bengal, the Bengal feeling, the Bengal belief and how they've been able to win three games. And when you examine the numbers of those three games and you study this and you say, wait a minute, can a team win a Super Bowl that's given up 5.9 yards per attempt? 
can a team win a Super Bowl that that basically, you know, allows 40% on third down? Can a team win a Super Bowl, you know, when they when they allow when they've given up 12 sacks, you know, and they've only created eight? Can a team win a Super Bowl that basically has turned the ball over four, two times and has thrown four touchdown passes? I mean, you know, all these things do they add up? And you know, the, then you just simply say, well, they got Burrow, and so the, since they have Burrow and they have this great kicker who is sensational. He's made three kicks outside of 50 yards in the playoffs. You know, he's five for five outside of 40, which is significant. And he's made six kicks inside the 30. I mean, think about that, Patrick. So, you know, we talk about and I talk about all the time is situational football matters, right? Well, we'll look at the situations. I mean, the Bengals have scored 72 points in this playoff run. 72 points, right? McPherson has scored 40 of them. Mm -hmm. There's only 32 points left. You know, Chase has got one touchdown. You know, uh, uh, Boyd's got one. Perrine's got one. You know, Mixon's got one. You know, so they, they haven't scored. They, you know, they've they got a safety on one play. But, I mean, at the most part, they've scored. Basically, they've scored uh, a two-point conversion. I'm sorry. But they, they basically have scored. He scored 40 of the 72. Right. Yep. I mean, that's remarkable, right? I mean, if, if he's not on the team. For as great as Burrow is and as great as Chase is, say they had this, say they had Randy Bullock that they had last year or someone like that. I mean, this guy to me is significantly the most valuable player on their team so far this year. Game winner against Kansas City. Three long balls against Tennessee. When Burrow took him out of field goal range. Right. No, it, it's it's such you're absolutely right. It's such a key, and that momentum I think is creating this betting market for Cincinnati. And you're you're kind of like, okay, they have that magic wand, they have that quality that you know, but they're going into a buzzsaw. I mean, they're going into a team that has beaten two really good teams, beat the Bucks. It was closer score than really the game was, and beat the 49ers with 17 points in the fourth quarter. I, I must ask you, so McPherson, a fifth rounder out of Florida, yeah. and super valuable. You just, you just illustrated it better than I could. Did, did you notice a different ideology as far as we've always talked about special teams, and you're right with Belichick as far as the importance, but how about kicker in general? I mean, Jan Janikowski, 17th overall, and I think 2,000, somewhere in there. Did you notice from organization to organization a, a difference as far as valuation of kickers? No doubt. And most of the people from the analytical community will tell you the difference between a great kicker and an, an average kicker is probably two missed kicks, which has some validity when you just look at the math. Uh, but I think, again, I don't think you can just look at the math. I think you have to look at the terrain. You kick in New England. You kick in Green Bay. You kick in Cincinnati. That's way different than kicking for the Colts. That's way different than kicking for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers or the Houston Texans. The venue matters. The terrain matters. And so you've got to be able to get that fixed. And when you find someone that can do that and is reliable, you know, look at the Raiders, a difference their kicker made on their team. Carlson, I mean, Mike Zimmer gave up on Carlson, a fifth-round pick. He Carlson's missed too many great. kicks. They sent him pack. He, he is really the different. He got him in the playoffs. You know, if he misses that kick, it's a tie, right? You know, and we wouldn't have had to suffer through the Steelers, but that's besides the point. But the reality of it is, is they do matter. And when you get a great one or a hot one, I mean, they're like closers in baseball. 
That's really what they like. And they and McPherson has become Mariana Rivera. He's closing it out. Yeah. Carlson and McPherson. Carlson, anytime, anytime he attempt to kick this year, it was just it felt money. There's certain, certain certain kickers where you just have a you have a comfort. What were they four and I mean the Raiders are four and in overtime. Yeah, he was you know? a, he was a super big weapon for them. Can you can you take me back? I know what was the talk amongst the league when Janikowski was selected? Well, I think most of it was you know Al wanted to just be different. He put took a punter in the first round. It was kind of a a, a mark, but he but you know we sat there and and a lot of people wanted to take a tight end. I think a lot of people wanted to take Todd Heap in the draft, but I think Al wanted to fix it. The the biggest thing about the, the Janikowski pick that was so unique in the sense that we had just won the last game of that season, knocking the Chiefs out when Joe Nedney, who kind of rescued our season, right? So before I got there, the punter signed Michael uh, Husted from Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. and he was a disaster, a complete disaster, right? And so by and we were jockeying kickers that whole year. We weren't any good. I think we ended up eight and eight that year. But we when we got Nedney late in the year, Nedney kind of gave us a lift, and he won that game for us in Kansas City. And so that was like, okay, now we don't need a kicker. Well, then we took Janikowski, who basically we felt like could change the dynamic of the game, which in some ways he did. But also to me, like when when Burrow, and excuse me, when when. Uh, Zach Taylor sent McPherson out for a kick late in the in the set, right before halftime. Yep, I remember. It was a fifty. I'm like, this could be a disaster, right? This is gonna. If he misses this kick, they're gonna get great field position. It's gonna go down and cost them. Kid makes the kick. Yeah, I mean, he's three for three outside of fifty in the play in in in, in outdoor games. Cincinnati outdoor, you know, Tennessee outdoor, and then of course Kansas City outdoor. But what's remarkable is he's six for six inside the 30. That's six possessions. Like, they're not converting on those red zone third downs. They're not winning the Corona Light third down tournament in the red zone, you know, that should be lit up and promote that, right? The VEASAN third down, you know, where we get some publicity. They're not winning that. They're not doing a good enough job on that. But, but, this kid's clutch. Oh, he's clutch. I and I'm I'm gonna give you his props here in a second. McPherson, I, I remember the kick you're specifically talking about. Such a momentum builder going in, you know. Yeah. It, it, because if you got if he misses that, I think it was Tennessee. Then Tennessee gets great field position and they go down and score, and you lose the middle eight. It's risky. It's really risky. Yeah. It. You know what it reminds me? Remember when San Francisco went to the half in Green Bay off a miss? That buoyed them. And you could tell Shanahan was demonstrative. So Yeah, when they blocked that kick. Yep. Yeah. When the coach of the year didn't have his wing block that kick. Yeah, of course. Yep. A hundred percent. Okay. Speaking of coaches, I must ask you about this. So yesterday it started to filter that Josh McCown was out with the Texans. So it came down to, and it comes down to Lovey Smith or Brian Flores. Um, what? Okay, that's where I'll start with the question, what, with Lovey. And if Lovey is the answer, why not Coley? This seems a little odd, no? It, it, no. I, I mean, look, everything about this Houston search seems odd. I mean, like, I've said this, and I like Nick Cesario, but, I mean, why don't he just become the head coach? You know, like, want seriously, to. why you not? You know, he wants you, to. You, you know, you're acting like one anyway. You devalue the position tremendously. So, but, look, Lovey Smith, it gives, to me, Lovey should have been a candidate from the start. You know, Jim Jim Caldwell should have been a candidate from the start. Jim Caldwell is looking at like, wait a minute, I've I've had a winning record in two head coaching positions. I can't get back in, and it's fair. 
if you're going to experience and, and you want to fix your offense and do some things, Lovey was already there. You could have kept Lovey as a defense coordinator, hired Jim Caldwell as your offensive coach. But anyway, I, I think it's – if you watch the Texans play the entire season, you would say that the best unit on their team was the defensive unit by far. They played hard. They weren't good. They played hard. They played fast. They wore down. They were a 50-minute defense. They got tired at the end of the game. People wore them down. But I think Lovey deserves a lot of credit for getting them to play hard, getting them to play with a lot of intensity. And to me, this whole search was ridiculous because you had one coach with no experience in McCallan. You have another coach with limited experience, very limited experience in Gannon. And then you had Flores, who's to me, is just sitting there as should be the guy. But, you know, that didn't happen. Uh, and also, David Coley did a hell of a job with that team. I mean, C- Campbell got a ton of run just because of his personality. Coley did a better job in Houston than Campbell did in Detroit. So I don't know why he doesn't deserve a second year. Well, because I think they felt like it, it wasn't organized, it wasn't detailed. Gotcha. And look, you hired a guy who's never been a head coach before. Right. You're going to have to help him. Yeah. You're going to have to teach him how to be a head coach. This is the problem. Four wins. But that roster, it ain't bad. Okay, so good start. We'll see if Lovey gets introduced today or Flores, and then that will leave us with the Saints, as you mentioned, the last team open as far as head coaching hires. Coming up next, our buddy Thomas Gable, another winner in the Des Moines special. He joins us next year at Lombardi Line. to the Lombardi line on VSEN featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, join our own Stormy Bonantoni on Friday. It's coming up this Friday, 6 p.m. for the big game betting and beers event at the South Point Hotel Casino and Spa here in Las Vegas, right down uh, the the hall from me here. Actually, Stormy's going to be joined by our guys in the desert, Chris Andrews, Jimmy Vaccaro, Vinny Maliulo, for a fun and informative look at betting this year's big game and stories behind uh, the book, of course, and all the action these legends have seen over the years. The event is free for everyone over 21, so stop by the South Point on Friday at 6 p.m. for specials on Budweiser. Purchase signed copies of Chris Andrews' book, books, I should say, and learn more from the bookmaking experts. That's coming up this Friday at 6 p.m. South Point. Join the crew, Michael Lombardi. He won't be there, but he'll be... Uh, nope, wasn't invited. Nope. The, 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 the private going, jet. The private jet's going to yeah. be there. Teterboro. No, no, no. Teterboro's <laughs> a long way from here. Is man. that what it's called, Teterboro? <laughs> yeah, Teterboro's a long... It's a long way from here, but that's all right. You know, we got it. You know who... Right. You I know I know when uh, I wasn't invited. You, you know who... I'll be with my man, TG. I'll be with my man, Oh, Gable, TG. yes. And that's who always has a gassed-up private jet ready at Teterboro. He runs the race and sport, And he should, with what he's doing with the uh, Des Moines picks, he runs the race and sports book there at the Borgata, and he joins us now. Good afternoon, Thomas. How are you, buddy? Good afternoon, guys. Uh, you want to start off with a recap of the Pro Bowl yesterday? <laughs> we, we try, yeah. I tried that at the beginning. Neither of us even watched the play, so it, was, it, didn't get, it didn't get very far. I just woke up this morning and saw people freaking out on Twitter about it. Like, if you have a genuine thought about the Pro Bowl, you have issues. Like, who cares? Yeah. Right? Tom, did you get act? Do you get a lot of action on it, Thomas? You don't get a lot of action. I mean, you try to – I mean, it's, it's a tough thing to book. I mean, you basically put it up just because there's somebody out there who's wanting to bet on it, but, uh, yeah, you don't get a lot of action on it. Yeah, I mean, breaking it down on, on social like it matters is really futile. Anyway, good cover yesterday. We moved to 10-4 and four Des Moines specials with these under-the-radar college basketball plays. Now, 
unfortunately, as Michael said, uh, and he said your, George, your Georgetown Hoyas could be in for a long day, they certainly were as they got pummeled yeah, yesterday at home. Yeah, they hung in there in the first half. They did, I think. But uh, that was that was it. After halftime, it was all over. So, uh, which we we said we talked about that game on the show yesterday, and we said probably uh, lean towards laying the points with Providence, and uh, hopefully uh, people got the hint there and, and cashed with that one. Yeah, seventy-one fifty-two Providence win and cover. They moved to twenty-two. It's actually a very good basketball team. Okay. Mm. I just noticed BetMGM sent us some splits, and Mr. Ewing over there at BetMGM, we're starting to, it was essentially 50-50 with the tickets and the handle on the Super Bowl. We're starting to see some of that Bengal money trickle in. Did you get that yesterday at the, at the South, excuse me, at the Borgata, and then into this morning at all, Bengal money? No, I mean, we're still, we're still roughly 50-50 on the side, uh, on the spread there. A little bit more, 53% of the money here is on the Bengals. But uh, we actually, just within the last half hour, took our first six-figure wager on the game. Uh, someone came in and put 100000 on the Rams' money line. Uh, which is still, you have to lay $2 uh, for the Rams' money line. But uh, that was the first six-figure wager we took. So um, see how many more to come. You know, that's going to, uh, there'll be more, I think. Uh, you know, Thomas, what do you suspect that, that this is going to be a a kind of a late, late to the party, a lot of Ram money coming in on Saturday or right before the game Sunday morning? Or do you think it's going to continue to just con- be the slow pace as we've seen all along? Now, I think, I think um, honestly, I believe probably when we sit Sunday morning, I'll just predict we're, we're probably going to need the Bengals, uh, but we'll, we'll see what comes. But I, I think there's going to be a lot of Rams money this week. Um, and, you know, honestly, the, I was just uh, texting with, uh, with Ben Fox there, and, you know, I was telling him, you know, right now the, the prop market handle is basically almost 10 to 1 what we've taken on the game so far. Um, the, the props is where everybody really seems to be engaged. Nobody's taken a huge position on the game, uh, at least so far. So, and again, you know, most of the bigger money will arrive late, you know, next, next weekend. Um, you know, Saturday, Sunday is typically when those six-figure wagers start to show up on the game. But, you know, right now the action is really all in, in the prop markets. And the jump every year is exponential for the prop. It's, a, it's crazy from year to year how much the prop market just jumps out of control. I mean, it's, this will be your biggest prop year as opposed to last year. And then the last year was your biggest as, as compared to the year before. It just keeps on getting more popular, Thomas. No, it really doesn't. In fact, you know, the guy who who came in and put the uh, six figures down on the Rams there, you know, he was also betting props. And uh, so now we have uh, um, liability there on the first score uh, prop. So what what will be the first score of the game? Uh, He took uh, Rams rushing touchdown uh, to be the first score, which is 7-1. to Um, So, you know, he'll win 50,000 if that that one comes in. Uh, But, you know, you have... All those different uh, options there to bet: Bengals rushing TDs nine to one, uh, Rams receiving touchdowns plus three twenty. That's actually um, uh, up there with the favorite and the Rams field goal, so three to one. So, uh, but uh, hopefully, you know, the Rams rushing touchdown for him uh, comes in. He'll be fifty thousand richer. What's your number on McPherson's field goals? 
Uh, let me go to field goals here, the field goal prop. We do have a graphic, too, while you're looking for that. We've got – it may be different at your book. There it is, Michael. You see McPherson. Um, field goals made. He said at one and a half, you got to lay 155 to go over. Yep. So, so, so is that where you're at, Thomas? Yeah, one and a half. Yep, yep. Okay, so one and a half on field goals, and then overall kicking points for McPherson Michael is seven and a half. Just one. He's got twelve and, and three. He's got twelve and three games. You know, yeah. And 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 that's fascinating. I mean, he's got twelve and three games. You, you don't think he's going to get two in this one? I mean, you, you know that. I mean, I think it's going to be hard to move the ball consistently in this game. I, I, I like that play, McPherson, for two field goals. I kind of like that one. I know you got to lay 150. I know you got to lay a little bit of money, but I mean, it, it might prove to be based on what they've done in four, in the last three games. They're going to kick some field goals, and this guy's making them from 50. So. And that's, you know, and we know he's going to be able to make him 55 in that stadium. If you're confident, don't let the 155 scare you away from going over one and a half. I would agree with Michael there. Go ahead, Thomas. Yeah, I mean, listen, that was, um, the field goals was actually one of the props that I was looking at um, myself uh, for this game in particular because, uh, you know, we have first half total field goals at one and a half set, which uh, I, I like the over there. Um, 115 on the juice there if you want to take the over. But uh, total field goals for the game we have set at three and a half. Now, if you want to take the over there, you're getting plus price, plus 120 um, on the total field goals for the game. But I'd like the first half uh, total field goals over one and a half. Let me set you up on a top 25 matchup today. College Hoops, Kansas, Texas. The Big 12 gauntlet continues. It's incredible. The two teams coming off big wins. Now, Kansas was about as perfect as you could be against Baylor, but we talked about it before the game yep. started. They, Baylor ended up being shorthanded in that matchup. It's 83-50. I mean, they absolutely pummeled them. And the Texas played really well defensively. They're one of the best defensive teams in the country against Iowa State, but they did beat a ranked team. Kansas turns around, heads to Texas. I got Texas opening one, and Kansas now laying a point and a half, Thomas. Yes, we actually opened this game pick, and uh, Kansas now one and a half point favorites. But as you said, both both these teams coming off dominant wins there against um, ranked opponents on Saturday. Texas winning 63-41 against Iowa State, and Kansas um, beating Baylor 83-59. For Texas, outside of their game against uh, Gonzaga, this is going to be the, the toughest test uh, of the season for them. Uh, Kansas's offense is outstanding. They average 80.2 points per game, 12th best in the country. They shoot uh, almost 50%, just under 50% from the field, which is 6th best. And both those marks are tops for the Big 12. And when you look at this coaching matchup, uh, Coach Self, he's had the number of uh, Coach Beard. Beard is uh, only 2-8 and eight in his career against Self. So uh, I think in this game, Kansas is going to have to score inside here and not just rely on their guard play. Texas has tremendous defense in the passing lanes. They really make you work for good looks on the outside. And the other thing that, to look at, Texas likes to play at a slow pace, yeah. limit the number of possessions for their opponents, and I have a feeling here Kansas may show some frustration, especially if shots aren't falling early here. So you've already seen a big move in this total. We opened the total 134.5. It's now down to 131.5. And, and you mentioned McCormick inside is going to be key for Kansas tonight. And Texas is so freaking boring to watch. My gosh. They, <laughs> Michael, they, I, Beard's a great coach, but watching Texas is paint drying, man. They just slow you down. 
half court. Grind you. They play yeah, yeah, defense they grind, and yeah. grind They're great defensively. They grind you. I mean, it, they challenge you mentally in terms of can, yes. you, can you play match their mental toughness because that's what Beard's all about. He's all about mental toughness. Uh, absolutely. You, you nailed it. You got to lean there. Would you go – what about the – one? Where, where you at? 131, 131 and a half on the total, Thomas? Yeah, I, I mean, I make this total 134, but we've seen the market adjust down to 131 and a half. I, I'd lean Texas in this. All right. TG, thank you, buddy. We've got plenty Thanks, to TG. come with the you man. over the next week here before we get to the Super Bowl. Thank you, buddy. Enjoy your Monday. All right. Thanks, guys. Okay. Thomas Gable, race and sportsbook director, Borgata. Next, Will Hill joins us. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes, yes, yeah, I won. Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing high five casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Whoa! <laughs> I won again! I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High five casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High five casino. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. to the Lombardi line on VSEN featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, BetMGM welcomes you with a special offer. NBA tonight association simply place a $10 money line wager on any game. If either team hits a three-pointer, you're going to win $200 paid for in free bets. You just use the bonus code VSIN200, VSIN200, to make your first bet. Again, this is for uh, new bettors over at BetMGM, and it's 200 bucks paid for in free bets. Okay? It doesn't get much better than that. MGM, BetMGM is proud to be an authorized gaming partner of the NBA. Imagine that. All promotions are subject to qualification, eligibility requirements, rewards issued as a free bet. If you have an issue, it's 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay, Michael Lombardi there in Jersey. I'm Patrick Maher here in Vegas. Uh, we talk now to Will Hill, New York CityCast, vcin.com slash podcast, as he joins us. Hi, Will. How you doing, buddy? What's going on, guys? I'm good. Uh, got a lot of messages the past 24 hours. You guys were off Tuesday, but I gave out Hoagie 60-1 to 1 to win, and he hit. So a lot of people uh, messaged me thanking me. I, I appreciate it if I didn't get back to you guys. Uh, I would say the best way to thank me is just tell your friends about VEASAN, tell your friends about the Lombardi line, New York City cast, not to turn this into an infomercial, but uh, it, it feels good <laughs> when not? you help people win money. It feels good. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And hopefully you want some too, Will. That's an awesome thing. Never you know? enough. I wish I bet a little more, but it, no, I, I hit a uh, nice hit for me, nice hit for our listeners. So uh, hopefully people listen. It feels good to help people win. Uh, let me ask you this question. What made you pick this golfer in this tournament? Like that's, that's the fascinating thing about you and Wes Reynolds and, and Brady Cannon. These that you guys, when you go into this golf thing, like what made you pick him for this one? Well, I mean, obviously there's a lot of luck in it, but I mean, you can look at course history. I think Hoagie had two top four finishes his last uh, few starts. He finished second a couple weeks ago. So he'd been playing better. 
Uh, he had a tournament, I think it was in Pebble Beach a few years ago, where he led, led, led this tournament after 54 holes. He's a guy who's just, you know, he's come close. He, he's led after 18 holes. He's led after 36. After 54, he never won. And uh, he didn't play very well on Friday. I caught, thought I might be out of it. He led after Thursday. Uh, he, he didn't play well Friday and he missed some opportunities yesterday. It looked like Spieth was going to run away with it, but he just hung in there. He made some, some great birdies down the stretch and I uh, was able to win. Yeah. Hoagie's a fascinating, he's a fascinating story, Michael. He's 37. He's never won on tour. So he wins wow. at Pebble, which is unbelievable. And he was down two strokes. Will with four or yeah. five, to play. And he just, that putt he made on 17, probably about a 20 footer bending. Oh my God. And that, that won him the tournament going into the par five on 18. So, and Spieth was up too. Not only are you chasing, you're chasing Jordan Spieth. Uh, so Hoagie, that's cr incredible. And good job by you. 60 to one cash for Will Hill. Uh, speaking of which, I know you got a bunch of college plays, uh, but how about your Lakers? They pick up a dramatic win on Saturday against the Knicks. I want to ask you about the Knicks with the New York City cast. How about the Knicks? They had a 21-point lead in Los Angeles on Saturday. They're going to be deflated tonight in Utah. 36 from R.J. Barrett. Randall at 32 and 16, and they lose the game. They turn around tonight at Utah. Utah's lane eight as Utah starts to get healthy here. But we'll start there with your Knicks. Well, your Lakers who beat the Knicks, and you do a podcast about New York. Go for it. We both came back from vacation the end of July, and we both said this Westbrook trade's a disaster. Can't understand it. It's going to totally deflate the team. Uh, I think it was Raja yeah. Bell who made the point that LeBron, you know, as players get older, they have a hard time seeing their contemporaries is getting older too. So I think LeBron thought, Hey, I could play with Westbrook. This will work. It's not working. It's a terrible roster. Losing Crusoe is a disaster. That being said, since Davis came back, Davis has looked great. Uh, LeBron, when he plays looked great. Now you can't keep both these guys on the court for three or four games in a row. It seems, but I mean, they're not going to be fun to deal with. They're probably not winning the championship. They're probably not making a run, but you know, if you got two of the six or seven best players in the league healthy and you keep them on the court, they're, they're going to be tough to deal with. Westbrook's deal is a disaster. Oh. The trade was a disaster. There's no way to defend that, Michael. I mean, that's just not no. a piece that fits. And he has no value. I mean, they can't get out from underneath no. of it. And no I think, chance. you know, it sounded like they were going to tear the team down, but maybe this win against the Knicks has now propelled them to actually think, as Will just said, they might have a chance, you know? And so, will they, you know, they're not going to be able to dump Westbrook on anybody. No, absolutely not. Uh, just a transition to college hoops here. We were just talking to TG Will Hill about uh, Kansas headed to Texas. This is a tough. This is a tough travel spot on a Monday for Kansas. It's a good team. Uh, Abaji's back, of course, after a couple games having missed. It, this is to me. This is a fascinating matchup because Texas just wants to slow you down. We've got Kansas right now laying a point and a half. Where are you? Yeah, I like Kansas here. I think Kansas is going to be out for blood a little bit. Texas swept them last year, and Texas plays this no middle defense, which is tough to deal with. It's tough to adjust to that beard runs, but Kansas has already seen it a handful of times, so I think they'll be used to it. Uh, they're just a better offensive team. Their their wings are athletic. They're big. They'll be able to score. Texas get, kind of gets bogged down. Uh, we saw them against Tennessee. We saw them against Oklahoma State. Really give up some big leads. They can go a long time without scoring. They got some turnover issues. So uh, I like Kansas here. I just think they're the much better team. You know, it, it's funny, it, it, the Kansas, you know, when they just, I, I was surprised how easily they took down Baylor in that game. I mean, they just kind of looked like it was not going to be a problem, and it wasn't from the start to the finish. And there was a lot of, whatever lack of a better term, there was some steam on Baylor thinking they were going to get revenge for their loss before. But this Kansas team was pretty impressive. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Kansas continues to roll self. 
the beard there tonight. Top 25 matchup. Not a top 25 matchup. However, Arizona has been one of the stories of the year. They can out-rebound anybody. They're headed to Arizona State. Should be Bobby Hurley's swan song there, Will Hill. But Arizona open 14. Looks like State's getting bet a little bit here down to Arizona. Lane 12 on the road at Arizona State. You know, it's funny. I've been so focused on football. It was a few weeks ago. I'm watching an Arizona game, and I'm usually on top of this stuff. I had no idea the coach till they should, they cut to the sidelines. This kid's but, doing uh, a great these, job. They got from yeah, Gonzaga as well. The Gonzaga guy. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And I like Arizona tonight. These teams played eight or nine days ago. Arizona won by 11. Arizona shot three of 23 from three and still won the game by 11. I would expect them to shoot the ball much better tonight. Obviously, Arizona State had triple overtime Saturday night against UCLA, a big win. So uh, you maybe get a little bit of a fatigued Arizona State team. Arizona shoots the ball better. I like Arizona going away here. You know, I mean, you got to give Lloyd credit. He's got two of the best players in the conference on his team. Actually, he might have three of the best players on his conference in, in Tabellis and, and Colin, Kolinko, I think it is how you say his name, and, and Mather. I mean, they're really a talented team. He's done a remarkable job in the transfer portal when recruiting these kids. So, you know, for all the conversation about, you know, losing the coach, is this team going to go on probation? This is one hell of a job by Lloyd. Yep, absolutely. he's on top of it, Patrick. He's like the Joe Lenardi. That's, Joey Brackett's better watch out. He's been studying. That he's right on top there, of that it. right yeah. there is Michael ba- uh, Billis, as we call him. On, yes. when we no, get to college I, I keep my sneakers on at all times, Patrick. I keep my <laughs> sneakers on at all. T- I don't know why anybody wants his sneakers. Like seriously, I don't want your sneakers, man. Keep them on your feet. <laughs> How about two teams? Let's go ACC. Like, what do they do with those sneakers? Like, I, what would you do with them anyway? Put them up on your oh, list of sneakers. I'm like, not seriously. a big foot guy. Feet, Patrick. Yeah. He, uh, so he's lashing out because he's worried we're not going to get baseball. It's Mr. Baseball. He's yeah. seeing the strike, what's going on, the no, lockout, and he's getting. We're not having exactly. baseball. College. Well, I mean, season. you can't even talk about NBA. I mean, you don't even know who the hell's playing night tonight. I mean, you know. <laughs> It is it's, it is up and down. I, I I totally agree. I mean, the NBA is a little bit like the Pro Bowl. Are they? You know, what's going on here? Like seriously, uh, how about Virginia and Duke? Now, these are two teams coming off huge wins on Saturday. I look. I know they were favored, but Virginia beat Miami was a little bit of a surprise to me. And that's then, a huge surprise. Yeah, I'm a big Miami. I'm a big Miami Hurricane fan. Miami was they, they've had a hell of a season. And they that was that's one of those they stubbed their toe. They're really they're really upset about that game. Virginia is impressive. I mean, you can't you can't underestimate a great coach. No, Bennett is a great coach. Larinaga doing a hell of a job down in Miami. However, that's not a vintage defense. Will Hill, as far no. as Virginia is concerned, but there has to be some regression offensively. What Duke did on Saturday was ridiculous. Yeah, I think some regression for Duke on offense, and I think this line will actually close maybe 11, 10 and a half. I just think it's too high. Uh, like you said, a letdown spot for Duke. And, you know, Duke's really good on defense, protecting the rim, but they could struggle away from the ball sometimes. They could lose focus. And I just think this is kind of a sleepy spot here for Duke where, you know, Duke probably wins the game, but maybe they win it by eight, nine points, something like that. I just think this line's a little high. I like Virginia here. Yeah. yeah I mean, look, it's – it's coaches last year that, that that was an impressive win against North Carolina and, and you got to give Virginia. I mean, th- they'll give it everything they have because for them to beat my Miami's the best offense in the ACC. And that's saying something right there. I mean, their efficiency offensively is really good. I mean, defensively is where they had their and they didn't play. They didn't shoot well against Virginia, which to me, the Virginia defense isn't as good as it's been in the past. This Duke team could be trouble come tournament time. A.J. Griffin, the freshman, got going. I think he had 27 on Saturday. They can initiate 
from anywhere on the court offense. They just got so many weapons. Bang. It, it, it's it's really, I, I think Coach K is going out with a bang. I think this team's Let me ask good. you, Patrick, how, how many teams would you say could win it? There's, I think there's like seven or eight teams that are all at the top. Kentucky, Calipari's got a good team. Auburn, I think Gonzaga. there's 10 legit teams that can win a championship yeah. this year. Yeah, I think there's open. no doubt. It's, yep. I it's mean, good. look, I mean, Mike Palm thinks Texas Tech got a chance to do it. I, and I don't disagree. The I mean, tournament was good... awesome last year, and I, I expect yeah, the same yeah, was... thing this year. I really do. Houston, Perdone, I mean, they all have a chance. Hey, keep the hot streak going. We're on to Phoenix. Phoenix Open oh, there. Phoenix, that's PGA right. Tour. On to Cincinnati. Ricky Fowler's won there. Michael's guy, Ricky Fowler. Hey, this is the perfect tourney for him to win. Play Fowler. He'll win this one. This is the one right up his alley. He loves this one. New York City cast, congrats on the hoagie Thanks, hit there. Will. Will Hill does a great right, job. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. All right, there it is. I just loved watching Pebble yesterday just because it's the oh, most Oh, it's good. the greatest, isn't it's, it? It was isn't so it gorgeous watching it, man. I, you know what? I might Let's go buy a house there. Why not? Oh, <laughs> man, it's so good. More Every NFL time I news. see it, I think I, I'm unbelievable. <laughs> it really is. We continue. High Five Casino. High Five Casino is a social casino with real prizes and big Vegas hits at HighFiveCasino.com. The hottest games right from Vegas, and all winnings go straight to your bank account. Hundreds of exclusive games, free daily rewards, and come back to get free coins every four hours. Only at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details at HighTheNumberFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino. What's up, guys? This is Sean, Lights Out Merriman, and Saturday, June 15th, Lights Out Extreme Fighting 17 returns to Casino Palma in San Diego. Get your tickets now at LightsOutXF.com, and we'll be live on Lights Out Sports TV, available on all major platforms. Doors open at 5 p.m. Pacific. You don't want to miss this one. It's going to be Lights Out. Lights Out Sports is free sports TV by athletes for fans. For details about the event and tickets, go to LightsOutXF.com.